Well, we have started a sermon series called Setting Sail. And we're using the symbolism of sailing uh, to talk about how we journey with God, both as individuals and as a church. And uh, don't stress if you're not a person that's done a lot of sailing. These aren't real deep metaphors. It's just sort of a lens through which we can get at some topics that I feel God leading us to talk about. And today I want to start with uh, a verse, reading a scripture from Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Some of this passage is going to be familiar to you, and uh, potentially, and uh, some of it is not as familiar. um, And I want to focus on the not familiar part. So here we go. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have Crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Of course, for many of you, if you remember your days in Sunday school, you might have heard about the fruits of the Spirit. The idea that if you live in the Spirit, there are certain fruits that should show up. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. But that if you live according to the flesh and you don't walk with the Spirit, well then there's some different fruit that shows up in your life. Uh, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. And so, so the idea is what, what kind of fruit is your life bearing? And I can tell a lot about a person based on the fruit that their life bears out what's going on and what's at the center of it. But today I want to think about the larger assumption of this passage. That we are to walk in the Spirit. We are to be led by the Spirit. We are to, be, we are to keep in step with the Spirit. This implies that the Spirit is up to something. This implies that the Spirit is both with us and in the world. Right? And that we should keep in step with the Spirit. But that sometimes we might not keep in step with the Spirit. But whether we are in step with the Spirit or not, the Spirit seems to be moving. The Spirit seems to be there. The Spirit is out at work in the world, and we can tune in and get on board, or we can miss it. But either way, the Spirit is there. What if we actually took that seriously? Like what if we actually took seriously that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and at work in our world? That we should be walking in step with Him, and maybe we're not, or maybe we are, but the idea that we, we should be, that, that the Holy Spirit is there, what if we actually took that seriously? 
that the Spirit is preparing you right now, wherever you are in your life, for something upcoming. Right? That God has you where you are and He has you going somewhere. If you would just follow the Spirit, then His intentions would be lived out. Or as God said through the prophet Jeremiah, while the people were still in exile, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. What if we actually took seriously this idea that the Holy Spirit has a plan for you that you are supposed to walk in. The Holy Spirit is working in this world to get you there. What if we actually took seriously as a church that the Holy Spirit has a plan for this church? And the Holy Spirit's out in the community and it's in our midst. And the Holy Spirit's actually moving us in a direction. I actually think here that sailing is a pretty good metaphor for this. When you are sailing, you have to take into account the wind and the seas. Okay, if you've ever been sailing and it's not very windy, you're not going very far. Okay, or if you want to go over there, but the wind is coming from over there, then you've really got to work to get over there. Okay, you've got to be able to read the seas. You've got to know where the currents are and you've got to know where the wind is. Now, you can get a motorboat. Okay, you can try to push through, but, but in sailing itself, you've got to sail the winds. You got to sail the seas. You got to sail the terrain, but you got to sail the wind. You got to read the waves and know where the shallows are and if the storm is coming. But ultimately, you have to sail the winds, which means you have to read the winds. And perhaps today I'm sounding a little more Pentecostal than Presbyterian, but I do. I have this crazy idea that maybe the Holy Spirit is real. Maybe the Holy Spirit is alive and active in this world and in our lives and has plans and purposes for us, our community, our church. Maybe God has actually prepared us to be here and he's preparing us for a destination there. The art and craft of, the whole, of being a Christian then is learning how to read the wind. Where is the Holy Spirit? Okay, sailors had a trick for doing this. Does anybody know what it is? You would lick your finger and stick it in the air, which I always thought was so stupid, but I was reading this week that it actually kind of works. Okay? Anybody know how it works? Wherever it's cool, it's typically where the wind is going, where the wind is coming from. But you could go and find the wind. This is the art of being a Christian. The practice of being a Christian is licking your finger, sticking it in the air, and saying, Holy Spirit, where are you? Where are you coming from? Where are you going? And, and, and next week, we're going to talk even more specifically about discernment and how we make decisions in our life based on where the Holy Spirit is taking us. We have to set our sails, right? We have to catch the wind. But for today, we just need to look at what if the Holy Spirit is actually moving? Where do you need to lick your finger, stick it in the air and say, God, what are you up to over here? Where are you leading me over there? A little assessment. Am I in step with the Holy Spirit? Am I on the right course? Because boy, the wind makes a difference. I've been uh, to Israel twice. And uh, always on the way to Israel, one trip was significantly shorter than the other. Right? Like the one flight was 13 hours and the other one was 11 hours. 
we didn't go any further, right? This is two places. We were going from New York to Jerusalem and then Jerusalem to New York. But if you caught the wind stream, right? You caught the jet stream, it was a lot faster trip. And if you were fighting the wind, it was a lot longer trip. Just like this, the, the, this Holy Spirit working in our lives, I think actually the church has to do this too. We as a church have to lick our finger, stick it in the air, and say, Holy Spirit, what are you up to? What are you up to? And today I want to propose a little bit where I think maybe the Holy... I'm going to do this for our church just a little bit, and I want to talk about where I see the Holy Spirit moving in our church and in our community. Um, a little over a month ago, my friend Dave McDonald was here, and he was talking to our Future of Worship Task Force. He did a workshop. He was preaching here. Um, and, uh, and one of the questions that Dave was asking us was, who do you want to reach as a church? In marketing, we would call it a target audience, right? Who is your target audience? And that's really a weird language for churches to talk about because we're like, well, don't we want to be for everybody? Yeah, but you're never going to be for everybody, right? Can you imagine picking music for everybody? Okay, can you imagine picking, you know, times for everybody? Imagine this building is not for everybody. Churches that go for everybody end up going for nobody. They end up just going for who they are. And so the question is, who is God calling us to be? And there is a ton of churches in our town. Did you know that? There is a lot of churches in our town. There is plenty of room for every church to go after different people. And uh, we will reach more of the world if we all try to be ourselves and go after different people. So we were wrestling with this when Dave was here and, and kind of wondering, like, well, who, who are we trying to reach as a church? And it was, it was kind of a hard question. And then uh, later on Friday night, Dave was at my house and uh, kind of after everything had wrapped up. And he said, Jordan, I wonder if your church could be a great church for lapsed mainliners. That's very pastory kind of talk. So let me interpret. Okay. What if we could be a church for people who left church? For people who went to church, but then stopped going to church for some reason or another. Maybe they were Presbyterian or Lutheran or Methodist or even Catholic, but they've stopped going. And I didn't react to him at first. I just kind of brushed that off. Um, we, were, I was in, uh, we were just hanging out. But later that night, I was like, whoa, wait, I got to like settle into that. What if we were a church for people who wanted to come back to church? Now, the interesting thing about that is that, that there's a, this is happening all over the place. There is a huge religious shift happening in America today. Maybe the biggest religious shift we've ever seen. Let me throw a few statistics at you to show you. People are leaving church. About 15% of American adults living today have basically stopped going to church. 15% of adults right now have stopped. If you want to know the number on that, that's about 40 million people in the United States of America have stopped going to church over the last about 20 years. 40 million people. Okay, in 2019, 33% uh, of Americans said they went to church at least once a month. In 2022, that was uh, 30%. 3% drop in church, what people said was church attendance. And the other always the interesting thing about that is, people say they go to church a lot more often than they actually go to church. 
right? Like, like a lot of us say we go to church. We don't, we don't always go to church that often. 40 million people have left houses of worship. And that 40 million people represents about $1.4 trillion in income. So even if those people are bad tithers, that's a pretty big hit on churches and nonprofits uh, and missions giving and all kinds of stuff. 40 million people, everybody. And in 2022, the median house of worship size, in other words, the, the, not the average, but the middle, the 50 percentile church size in America today, 65 people. So it means half of the churches in America today are under 65 people, and half of churches in America today are over 65 people. You look around here today, this sounds weird to us. We are a medium to large size church. We are well over the median. We're about 75th percentile church attendance. Like we see ourselves as small. We're actually kind of big. Isn't that weird to think about? And for several years, between 2,000 and 4,500 churches have closed every year. Okay? Probably this year are going to be about 4,000 churches closed their doors. Lots of people left during the pandemic that never went back to church. Okay, most mainline churches are, are reporting about 85, 75 to 85% of the people that were in their churches before are not here now. Their size is about 85% of what it was pre-pandemic. And the fastest growing religious affiliation in America today, fastest growing on surveys when they say, what religion are you? Fastest growing religion in America today is, is none. They say none. They, we call, they're, they're called statistically, people call them the nuns. 30%, 30% of the population says they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. Why have people stopped going to church? Well, they may have gotten bored or busy. They may have had children or started traveling more. They just didn't see it as important in their lives. We're aiming at a lot of our conversation about it as young people, but actually it's not. Like statistically, a lot of people are leaving. The average mainliner um, that's Presbyterian, you know, mainline denominations, the average age of a mainliner who has left the church is in the last few years is 58 years old. Now, statistically, we didn't have that many younger ones, but 58 years old. There are a lot, of, a lot of people who are not younger that are leaving the church. And, I, and I'm talking to you all, but how many of you know somebody? You have a friend that has just stopped going to church. Or you have kids and grandkids. I've talked to so many of you about kids and grandkids that why don't they go to church? I mean, this is very everywhere. Some people didn't see it as important in their lives. Some people just got out of the habit. Again, COVID, COVID. This was already happening, but COVID like pushed the, pushed the dial. I mean, it really was a kind of a leap forward. Some people even got hurt by the church or had a crisis of faith. Here's a few things about these, these de-churched people, or maybe we could call them church refugees. They can be very different age, ages, but likely 30 to 60. Um, they want traditional uh, churches, a lot of them, but not too traditional. <laughs> okay? they are, uh, they're willing to go through stuff. They were willing to do tradition as long as you say why you do what you do. They want a historical faith, but it's got to mean something to their lives. They don't want it too contemporary, and they don't want it too historical or stuffy either. They gotta, there's a lot of people right in that sort of thing. They might refer to themselves as spiritual but not religious. A lot of them have been burned by the bureaucracy of the church, people who were too controlling in the church. 
or the politics of the church or how politics came into the church. This is a lot of people who are leaving the church are saying part of why they're leaving. And it's both conservatives and liberals. It's on both sides of the spectrum. People are leaving because they say the church is too political. They, don't, they, they want to be able to be themselves and to wrestle with their doubts. Now, why do I talk about this? Because I actually think we could be a great church for the de-churched. We could be a great church at Northminster for re-churching people, for reintroducing them to the faith. Um, I think we're, we're kind and welcoming. I think we want to rediscover tradition and we like exploring it, but, but we, we want to talk about why we do things and we like to be a little playful with it. We love history, but we're also looking to the future. One of the things I've always been amazed about here at Northminster, if you're new, I don't know if you've experienced this or not, but, but there's a lot of political opinions around here. But uh, what I say is a lot of people leave their Trump hats in their cars and they, they, they leave their Biden stickers on their cars. And when you come in here, we kind of leave that stuff aside because that's not what we are focused on. Um, we love a lot of application around here. We love figuring out how to experience God in our lives. I think we could be a great church for the de-churched, for church refugees. In fact, in some ways, I think we already are. And a lot of people here uh, uh, have probably done that. How many of you, let, let's, let's do a little survey. Everybody ready? How many of you grew up in this church? Okay, so there's, there's, a, there's a selection of those people. Thank you. How many of you grew up Presbyterian? Okay, how many of you grew up going to a different Presbyterian church than this one? Okay, how many of you grew up something and, and you've gone to church other than Presbyterian? Okay, look at that. Like, look at the numbers. Okay, uh, who, who was Catholic here? Grew up Catholic? Yeah, number of them. Uh, Lutherans, Where's, where are my Lutherans at? Where are my Assemblies of God people? A couple of them. They normally say woo, but anyway. Uh, Methodist, who is Methodist? Yeah, look at that. Okay, here, here's, I'm, I'm just, this, I, I didn't know what the numbers were, but I'm interested in this. How many of you have had a period in your life where you left church for a while, where you just didn't go for whatever reason? How many of you have this? Look at that. It's a fair amount of our people that have had periods of time where they don't go to church. I've had that. This is my story, too. I, I had my struggles with church. I was the son of a pastor, and I did not care for church, everybody. And I swore I would never do this. Okay? It took a lot of this for me to figure out that I was supposed to do this. Okay? But part of my passion is bringing those traditions forward so they make a lot of sense. I mean, part of being a church, when I, as I've been wrestling with this church for the de-church or church refugees or re-churching, I like, we can say it a bunch of ways, but when I think about this, this is how I'm passionate too. Like this, is, this has always been how God has wired me. And I want you to know, there are a ton of unchurched people in our community. There are a ton of people that don't go to church anymore. Okay, there are a ton of people that have, there are, so I, I never wanted to be a church that stole sheep from other churches, right? I, wanted, I didn't want to be a sheep stealer. I always wanted to reach the unchurched. But for people who have never been to church, our church is kind of intimidating. But, but for people that used to go to church, I think, I think we actually, we could do some cool stuff there. Like we already are doing some cool stuff there. And there are a ton of those people in this community. A ton of those people used to go to church. They either left because they got mad or they left. And, and, if, and once people leave a church, like once you haven't gone to church for five years, it's real awkward to come back. 
A lot of those people are never going back to the church they came from. <laughs> They're never going back. And when I look around in our community, I don't know of a lot of churches that can reach the de-churched. And just because we say we, we're aiming that way or because we feel the spirit leading, doesn't mean you have to be like that person to come to this church. We have plenty of people, we just saw as we surveyed, plenty of people have been here for a long time, plenty of people moved here, and just found this church. I mean, you can catch all kinds of people. But, but I, I think God has wired us. If I'm reading the Holy Spirit, I think God is wiring us in a certain direction towards there, there's a huge need in our community that we are uniquely wired to go towards. Anybody else feel that? Are you sensing this? You're following this? God has uniquely positioned Northminster. And we're kind of doing it already. And I wonder if we lean into it, if, if it might bear some fruit. And here's what I want to say to you. As I'm listening to the Holy Spirit in the church, I think the Holy Spirit is doing that in your life too. The same way God is uniquely wiring Northminster, I think, in some cool directions. I think God has plans and purposes for your life. The Holy Spirit has you where you are. And that is so hard. I get it. Like, I, I, I talk to so many of you that are, are struggling with health concerns or really in some transition changes in your life. And you're like, oh, I just don't know. I don't know what this means. I don't know how this all looks. And, and, and I, I just think we got to learn as people the art and craft of listening to the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm passionate about. I, w- I want you to learn how to listen to God, how to lick your finger and stick it in the air and say, where is God leading me in this conversation, in this world, in this job, in whatever I am in? And so I, I'm happy to have conversations with you about this. If you say, yeah, that's kind of where I think our church is going. Or, Jordan, I'm not sure where God's leading me right now. Like, those are the kind of things I would love to pastor you through. And, and, and maybe you need other people around here. You need a Sunday school class. Or you need, you know, your group that you're going to say, hey, here's where I think the Holy Spirit. Part of how the Holy Spirit works is you say something. And then other people are also listening to the Holy Spirit. And they're like, no, that's not true. Or they're like, yes, and you need to lean into that more. And so how do you do that together? What do you think the Holy Spirit is up to in Northminster and beyond? Because I think think we got to take seriously that the Spirit is actually alive and working. So my prayer for you this morning is that you'd feel the wind. That you would feel the wind. Amen.